0: to the Cinephile Hiss If It Fit Podcast, the tirade-filled Movie Debate Podcast hosted by two film critics, cool dads, and struggling teachers. I'm Don Shinhan.
1: And hey, I'm William Johnson. I think that sorry that's more
0: that is more of a Liverpool
1: accent. Ooh. Sorry. Ooh.
0: that that's that's some heat there. Wow. Ladies, was, if you was... like
1: Embarrassing
0: if you would like a <laughs> Liverpool Irish accent to your GPS voice, you better hire my co host Will Johnson right there. I
1: don't think Liverpool is well, I mean, it's technically near Ireland, but not it's not even on the same island. So, <laughs> no, that's like saying
0: <laughs> Philly is close to Houston. Good try, you know. Yeah. yeah, all right, yeah, yeah. but it's ladies right. and gentlemen, no, Sorry, everyone. You're good. Ladies and gentlemen, we're damn glad to have you. This is all for tantrum's sake, we shared passions and high five, wash away any place for hate. In the end, we encourage you all to love what you love, but for now, the gloves are off and the hissy fit is on. But, folks, not this time. It's rare but we sometimes have a double love edition, and this is going to be one of them just in time for award season. We're here to talk about uh, Kenneth Branagh's Belfast, recommended mm-hmm. by the both of us, and you know what? Just about yes. everybody who's seen it will recommend it. It is the Toronto International Film Festival Audience Award winner, and every mm-hmm. movie that has ever won that, or just about 90% of every movie that's ever won that has been nominated for Best Picture that following year, and if and I don't know where we are by the time this episode drops, but if Belfast is not on the short that the final eight or nine it something's wrong so our format is this our recommending lover will go first but it doesn't matter what turns we take with this mm-hmm. they will get five interrupted minutes to shower their praise and state their high-minded case the hater is not present here but another level will fire away with another five uninterrupted minutes of their own to mm-hmm. present their extra points with any manner of love they want after that we'll just love it on it some more for another 15 minutes to share a conversation with a hissy fit just won't even be there, folks. I don't have a top of the morning Irish thing to say, but let's go. Well, for the last two episodes that we recorded tonight, I went first, so you go first this time.
1: Oh, cool. Uh, all right, let me. Uh, I, I was. Uh,
0: Were you banking on going second?
1: Nope. Nope. Hold on, okay, Mitch. good man. Good man. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm gonna start. Okay. Now I have a very um, positive. Um, history with Kenneth Branagh. Um you know uh, it, it, I my mother, rest in peace, you know, she would take me to see the Shakespeare adaptations that he made when I was very young. You know, Henry V, Much ado about nothing. Um Hamlet, I remember seeing Hamlet in a theater, you know, his 4 hour and 8 minute Hamlet, which is 1 minute less than Zack Snyder's Justice League. Um and I remember you know, just being in awe of, you know, there are purists out there who, you know, who might say that he's not the greatest Shakespearean director and or actor, but what he did, this is down to his casting, his setting, because he always changed the setting a little bit, you know, by either advancing something in the future or having it way in the past. Um, he knew how to appeal to a broader audience and that helped me as a kid. And I've always loved Kenneth Branagh as a result. Uh, even when he would slum it like in Wild Wild West or something. It it was something that I would look forward to seeing because I liked him as an actor. I like him as a director, you know? Um, And, you know, nothing could, in the early days of the MCU, nothing could make me happier than when people were like, oh, it's just corporate trash. I could be like, well, Kenneth Branagh directed Thor. You know, so that always made me happy because, you had a legitimately good director putting his spin on a product, and you couldn't take that away from him with Thor. Um, obviously, you know some hits and misses lately. You know, he did a Jack Ryan movie, which was like a January release, and you know he kind of kind of made a living for a while starring Chris Nolan movies. And you know, uh, you know, I didn't, I you know, I was wondering when the next like to me, I think he was ready for a Clint Eastwood-like resurgence. You know, Clint Eastwood directed hundreds of films, you know, between 1971 and 1992, and then he had Unforgiven, you know, and then he had a couple more years of meh, and then he had his prestige period where, like, in the mid-2000s, he just – everything he touched was gold. I've been kind of waiting for that with Kenneth Branagh because he did some prestige pictures, he did some stuff – Uh, and I've been waiting for it. I think he's finally going to get it here. I believe, I'm going off the top of my head, I'm not looking it up on IMDb, but I think he's a five-time Oscar nominee, maybe six. He's been nominated for Best Short Film, he's been nominated for Best Director, he's been nominated for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor. I think he's finally going to get it here. I'm not, since I've become a little bit disenchanted with the Oscars, like every now and then, The Oscars will throw something my way and I'll go, Oh, okay. Like, Hey, like Keith Stanfield got an Oscar nomination, you know, like I'll be like, Oh, great. Um, they've mostly in the last 10 years or so let me down or become too predictable for me to care. However, this movie Belfast, and uh, this is the whole point is that it's directed by Kenneth Branagh and it is kind of the favorite right now, um, to probably get best picture, if not lead every best of list of the year. Um, it's so wonderful. It's so charming that it makes me want to root for it to win awards because why the hell not? You know, it's something this – we live in a – we were talking about this on prior episodes. You know, we live in this um, this uh, hyper-tense age where everything either sucks or is great or is a masterpiece or whatever. I think with Belfast – I mean, yeah, if you're comparing it to best-picture winners of – you Know decades past, like uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think like a Titanic or uh, you know, a Schindler's List or something. Yeah, I mean, sure, maybe the stakes aren't ins- insanely high in this movie, and and maybe you know it's not as complex uh, of a film, but it's okay to have something that I think we can all universally agree is just great, it's just fun, you know. Uh, it takes a great director uh, to not only direct a period piece and direct children but, and to direct the children themselves physically, but also to be able to be 60 years old and tap into that childlike innocence still is an amazing feat. And I, that's why I think he's finally going to get an Oscar um, because he's tapped into something universal. We've all been children. We've all experienced it you know, in one way or the other. We've had bad times and good times as children. He taps into that perfectly. He captures that complexity perfectly. So my five minutes is almost up. My other thing I will say is, like I said, I'm not really big in the Oscars anymore. But if there's anyone I want to see win an Oscar besides Kenny Branagh, it is Siren Hines because he is amazing in this movie. Mm -hmm.
0: I forgot the bell the whole last show when we were recording yeah. here. So folks, yeah, when you like, listen to the Spencer episode, there's no bell. No, I I, I tell you what, it, I'm right there with you. The easy word to put there is indeed charming. But I think there's – I, and I'm with you. I love the way you talked about it in the way of it's okay that a Best Picture winner doesn't have to be – the most serious and most firebrand movie of the year and mm-hmm. and that's not to say that belfast is green book this year it's not soft either because the number one knock i hear people put on this movie is it doesn't go hard enough against what is the politics of its movie for those of you who don't know the movie this is um Branding's kind of personal little autobiography of what what it was like being a child at the beginnings of the troubles in northern ireland and belfast where catholics and protestants clashed and it turned into something that is almost was decades long strife and struggles that you know beset the area and all that and he was one of those people who got out and and you know was able to you know move away from that area to kind of be safe family was able to get out and he of course grew up to be the kenneth Branagh we love and celebrate now a, a wonderful mm-hmm. british actor who we you know get to call an irish actor which is a pretty cool thing mm-hmm, and um and it's the knock I get on this is that this movie doesn't go hard enough on the politics. And I'm like, Hey, mm. don't go there because the intention, we talked about this in other shows in the past is it's some of that is the objective versus subjective here. His objective is to tell this story through a kid's POV. And when you do that, you're not going to meet an eight or nine year old kid who's going to open up <laughs> the Dublin times and be like, gosh, isn't this a hell of a time we're having with, <laughs> with, with, you know, with, Dad and and grandma, what do you think about the politics of this particular time and era? Like, if you were to do that now, you know, most kids don't have an opinion on Biden or Trump, especially eight or nine year old. They're like, he's the loud guy in TV. He's the the weird old guy in TV. And that's all they're going to say about Trump versus Biden. So if you put an eight year old kid into that situation where there's shit happening on the streets, he's going to see bad things. It's going to rattle him. But there's a mom or a relative who's going to comfort him and mm-hmm. calm him down and and hopefully, and this mm-hmm. is the cool thing about this movie is you have this wonderful loving family who is, who is indeed shielding this kid from the stuff that's going on. They're trying to have Christmas. They're trying to have a great time in school. They're trying mm-hmm. to make sure he walks and hangs with the right people and, and guard him from the real shit that's going on. And the movie, to me, does enough of Still showing the parental strife about this or the uneasiness or, you know, oh God bless her, Katrina Balfu, who, who, you know, I don't know how to say her first name the right way, but like
1: mm-hmm. her,
0: her genuine fears of the shit that's happening around her comes across in her face yet at the same time. I'm going to be a tough mom that takes care of my kids. Mm -hmm. and i'm going to be a homer that doesn't want to leave and how hard that is for her versus her travel for work husband played by um my uh, uh, jamie dornan you know excuse my you know and then of course you have these great grandparent characters who aren't going to go anywhere no matter what happens in this community they're going nowhere and you have all those layers of i want to stay this is my home I'm old. This is always going to be my home. There's no moving for me. Dad's like, I've got opportunity to get us out. And then a kid who's just like, I just want to be a kid. And the film stays on that mindset of everything's still cool and beautiful. Even when it's shitty and weird, I'm still going to have, I'm still going to be a kid. Everything's wonderful. I love the family's, you know, penchant for going to the movies, which is adorable and nice. And, It's okay that a movie doesn't go hard on the politics because if we, any of us, any of us are in that position, we're going to shield our kids and we're going to show them the wonders that are great about this movie where there's a, there's levels of this movie being way more life is beautiful and it's so not as dark as life is beautiful about like. What can we show our kids about this to get them through? And people go to look to the black and white of this movie and think this is Roma Jr. And I'm, it's so not Roma Jr. either. Yes, this is Alfonso Cuaron and Kenneth Browning channeling what they likely experienced as kids, but from different POVs and with different struggles and troubles where it's okay to celebrate getting through this. And you can do that without dancing in the graves of the people that died getting through it. And, of course, and this movie doesn't do that it dances because there's still human spirit it dances because you can still get out It dances because you can still have culture you can still represent a an area of the experience that is in the middle is non-partisan this nice family here might be protestant but they still welcome catholics and they're not going to besmirch anything that's there and still push back against the people who are being super belligerent about it mm-hmm. and there's beauty to be found there and and I'll push back against Eddie critic who says this is the Green Book of 2021 because it is not. It is not that soft. It is not that weak. It is not playing fake little cards. It's a beautiful movie of a different story, and I love that it's a kid's perspective. That's my five, and we'll, Uh, you know, we'll pull
1: who the I, I, fuck is saying it's green book because I, I need to go enough. punch them
0: in the face i'm right there with you but folks please enjoy a short announcement from Ruminations radio network we'll come back for our share <laughs>
1: hey this is charlie triple c from brevity box a new and interesting podcast from the ruminations radio network if you're a fan of podcasts we have a lot of great content to offer Come check out our diverse group of podcasts and hosts at
0: ruminationsradionetwork.com. All right, folks, welcome back. Yeah, I'm getting that vibe of people. I tell you what, go on Letterboxd. And click on people who've seen this movie that maybe you follow. I know on Letterboxd people that I, like when you click on who's seen it, you see your immediate friends. And a lot of my immediate friends are fellow critics and a lot of the bigwigs here in Chicago. And the softness of reviews from the twos and the threes that are short of the fives is very, very telling. I did the same thing the same day with uh, Power of the Dog. You know, Netflix is a big hitter mm-hmm. with Benedict Cumberbatch. And on my, in my circle of follows and peoples, you know, that movie's getting nothing. Nobody's lower than a four, you know, a lot of fives, a lot of four and a half. And then mm. you get to Belfast and you got some twos, you got some cynics who are like, I can't do a kid yeah. story. You know what? Because you're probably a soulless person that can't understand being a kid. And... For, and I was so mad, and I, this is the humble brag part for me, is I could have saw this movie with Kenneth Brannick and the whole cast in LA, and I missed my chance because I just couldn't get the days off of work where that would have been a really beautiful thing to poke their, you know, poke a few questions, poke a few heads and and ask about, hey, tell me more about the experience of making this. Cause something tells me this was a joy to make at the same time as it was affirming of it's history and what it represents.
1: Well, I've read Kenneth Branagh's biography that he um, he was criticized for writing like right after Henry V kind of skyrocketed him to fame. Right. Uh, and people were like, you're writing a biography already? You're only like 25. And mm-hmm. But it talked a lot about his Belfast youth. And uh, so I've always kind of connected a little. So I was I kind of had a little bit of not insider information. But like when I was watching this, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He, he had that experience. Even down to the him reading the Thor comic, yeah. which I thought was a great touch. You know, a, a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's, that's just an MCU reference. No, no, no. He, the reason why he directed the first Thor film is because he read Thor comic books as a kid. He loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this kid loves them too. And I, I think that's great. And I also love the Star Trek reference. It's wonderful. Um, now, I'm going to get film film studenty here. Okay. But... The reason why this film is in black and white is because when you're a kid, you kind of see things more black and white. There's not, that, comple- there's not that complexity. Uh, and I think the film does a great job. There's a like one or two moments that betrays the childhood perspective a little bit, which I wish they didn't do. Like when they have, um, like it's clearly from the parents' perspective. And mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping it would stay in that kid's perspective because yeah. there's a lot of great, subtle moments in this film like for instance there'll be like a um a moment where you see the kid uh you know hiding on the stairs and
0: you kind of get parent. this
1: watching the parents and you get this hint that yeah the dad's a great dad but he also has his problems like mm-hmm. I, I think they allude to the fact that he's got like a gambling issue yeah you know and but it never it never plays out it's never like a plot point it's more of like this is a character moment that the kid notices like I think a lot, I was born in 82. Okay. So when I tell Mm -hmm. my kids, like, my kids are like, well, how many presidents have you lived through? And I go, I (laughs) started, started with Reagan. Mm -hmm. But like, when I think about it, like, I don't remember, you know, the Afghanistan Russian war. I don't remember Iran Contra. Mm -hmm. I don't, I barely, I don't remember Reagan running the second time. I don't, you know, there's, And I barely remember like the Bush Bush one stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. And uh, like my consciousness kind of started clicking around Clinton, you know, when I'm 10 or 11 or 12. And so it makes sense that this kid will only kind of see things through that black and white of, oh, they're Catholic or uh, he's Protestant, right? And the Catholics are quote unquote bad. Right. So it makes sense that he would see it as like, oh yeah, Catholic equals bad you know, Protestant equals, you know, but, but also through a kid's eyes where he's like, well, yeah, but the girl I have a crush on, she's Catholic and she's yeah. not bad. yeah, exactly. So, so there's no, like, there's no real, like deep connection. And that's true of a kid. Like I said, I, I mm-hmm. guarantee you, you go back to when you were born. I guarantee the first 10 years of your life, you don't remember a lot of the details. Like I bet, I, I guarantee you my seven-year-old daughter is never going to remember some of the stuff we've been going through with the Trump administration and mm-hmm. the Biden stuff. Like she's My never going to remember it either.
0: That. No. Yeah. We'll and, remember it as parents and we'll be those old people on a porch rocker talking about it, but the kids won't know. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. So it, this is perfect. It's a perfect situation. He's the perfect age where he's old enough to know something's going on, mm-hmm. uh, but not old enough yet to pair out the complexities of it. And, yeah. and I think The the, the movie does a great job of sticking to that because because it not only does that make its point effective, because when you look through the eyes of a child, you know, like we we know this as teachers, you know, like Mm -hmm. if you know, if I sat down when we did our Ghostbusters review, I was posting on Facebook that the movie. Mm made me want to self-harm myself twice. (laughs)
0: Like,
1: you know, like like, (laughs) if I sat down in front of students and said that, you know, then you picture what is a kid thinking that Mm -hmm. maybe has these kind of thoughts? They don't know how to handle anxiety and depression. Like, do I take this literally? Like when you Mm -hmm. see things through the eyes of a child, you realize, oh yeah, this is not the time and place to talk about something, or this is too complex of a subject for them. Right. You know, or, you know, so this movie ends up getting the point across that the conflict, even though we don't get mm-hmm. a lot of the complexities of the conflict, seeing it through the child's eyes, we realize how reductive it
0: is yeah like like what what would a kid remember a kid likely would be shielded from riots and really hardcore stuff and they would see the cleanup the aftermath the walls the check-in that's likely what a kid would remember Like, like 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 covid now our kids, when they grow up, are going to remember we wore masks everywhere for a couple of years, but they won't mm-hmm. remember the news reports and the symptoms of COVID or people di- you know, they w- hopefully they don't remember, you know, people dying if they've been lucky enough not to have family member pass away. But, like, right, they'll right. remember the ambiance of it, not the core of it. And, sure, sure. And that's likely branding's memory. Like, now, if this could be a gateway movie to people who, like, oh, well, what were the troubles? What What was more of it? Right. Right. Yeah. Go find in the name of the Father. Go find seventy one. Go find Bloody Sunday, and go get you a Paul Greengrass movie if you need to go harder for more. But you don't need yeah, a movie. To a
1: YouTube album.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. you don't need to do. Not every movie has to go hard. Sometimes right. just, just you know have that picture have it but paint it with different colors and brushes and to do this with a kid's eyes and man what a great looking you know what a great kid jude hill first time feature performance Mm -hmm. yeah i'm not i I have no clue if he'll ever get a chance in award season here at at, 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 i guess he'd be a supporting actor and they would give jamie dornan the lead even though he's the supporting actor and i would give jude hill the lead but it'd be cool to see a kid right up there getting a good performance and a good spot here but
1: yeah i I wanted to talk about Award stuff. I said in my five minutes that I yeah I, I'm a little I'm a little bit you know disenchanted with the Oscars. However, yeah. I do feel like this is one of those films that's going to be like that ten to eleven nominated film thing, and I, mm-hmm. I honestly think
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm worried. I'm worried that the cynicism is hard because I'm looking at those critics that are that are peers and hoity-toity people of friends of mine that are that are going that are just like I said calling this the green book where here's the uh, thing like they're or they're they're nitpicking like direction where yes this movie is very simple in terms of like establishing shots of aerial belfast here and there and they, they show the docks a few times they show the different parts yeah. of the city a few times they show the mountains and the hills a few times like it is an extremely simply directed movie and i, I that's yeah. probably that's probably a place where browning's going to get nominated just because he's Kenneth of browning but it's not the the edgy and you know, craftastic cinephile thing that's going to win a Best Director right. Award. Like, I feel like the one place, I was comparing this to people this weekend because the weekend I saw Belfast was also the same week I saw the Rocky four directors cut mm-hmm. where yeah. and it would it reminded me that Rocky won best picture the same year that like network and taxi driver and like a zillion amazing things came out all the president's men you know where you right. go back to that year of all the movies that are saw why well, I, I think Rocky's a great movie on its own but Oh, yeah. and with a cinephile hat and lens on, you look at the field and go, shit, the the sports movie won over these Ichi movies that are incredible. Something tells me that something more well-written or more daringly written is going to win a screenplay award. Something that is more imaginatively directed is going to win the director's award. That Kenneth Brannick's best chance is this movie going to the top and being the feel-good best picture winner. Because I don't know if it's going to win the artsy awards underneath it. Is it like something more more daring is going to win cinematography, something more daring is going to win costume design, especially in a black and white movie. And Brannig's shot, and he deserves it, is is the feel good best picture win.
1: No, no, no. I, I'm not saying it's going to win ten or eleven. I, I think it's going to be yeah. one of the ones that's nominated. And I think that what's her name is going to get one. Uh, Miss Balfi.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, she
1: she's excellent.
0: She is. Um,
1: I'm not sure about Jamie Dornan. I, I was. Fine I don't think he Performance. Yeah. Um Judy Dench was, of course, excellent. But then my guy that uh, I'm rooting for is Sir. I want Nights. him to win.
0: Win it outright. I haven't. He's seen
1: never. Him he's never had a nomination before. Mm-hmm. So this is
0: the spot to put him in.
1: And. Um, yeah, I, and my Kenneth Branagh Academy Award history is apparently correct. I, you are I, he spot on, by the way. Yeah, he has been nominated five times. He did get a Best Director for Henry V Fifth nomination, mm-hmm. Best Actor for Henry V. Yep, he did get a Best Short Film, Best Screenplay, um mm-hmm. for Hamlet and Best Supporting Actor. So yeah, I, was, I was on top there. So we were very at this point, at this point, he may add another director. Uh, he Think may so. add a, another screenplay, and he will add probably for the first time a best picture
0: nominee i think I yeah i think he's got three nominations coming this way i'm pretty sure he's the lead producer where he will have producer credit for this best picture it's, I'm got, scrolling it's gotta down be I, I cannot producer see group. how yes the the four credited producers of this movie are Brannig and three partners who've done other things with him on the side so yeah and yeah this is a nice spot where we've seen kenneth Brannig go extremely stylish with his while sure. movies with obviously with Thor and he's done the action stuff and he's big, done the big gaudy Shakespeare stuff. And here he comes making a like, like Alfonso Cuarón making a super personal intimate movie that is just spot on for, for, for heart, for drama, for stakes. It is. Yeah. It's just such a good movie. I, I love and,
1: it. And also we talked about in prior Stuff before mm-hmm. that, Kenneth Branagh, or not not Kenneth Branagh, but a lot of actors and actresses, and you know, sometimes they get rewarded for stuff that is kind of like a consolation prize for yeah. stuff they should have got in the past. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that's the case with this one because this is a great movie.
0: I think but, this is uh, an outright. This is a place where this is one of. I like I said. I know he's made bigger things, but in terms of like a smooth, complete thing, this is one yeah. of the best things he's ever done.
1: But. What I will say is I almost feel like this is justice for his last, the last film he directed, which I thought was, I'm not going to say masterpiece, but mm-hmm. was one of his greatest accomplishments as a director and an actor. And I don't think anyone saw it. And it was all is true. Did you see I, all is I true? I have
0: not seen all is true. No. Because the hard is, part is Artemis Fowl is this big lemon sitting there a year ago.
1: Oh, maybe it was Artemis Fowl. Okay, so yeah. all is true is 2018. Yeah, it is, Fowl is basically it's basically um, the last days of Shakespeare, like okay. the
0: person. Yeah,
1: he play he plays Shakespeare. Judy Dench is in it. Ian McKellen is in it, and there is a scene. I remember I saw with my mom. There is a scene between Ian McKellen and Kenneth Branagh, where they are talking to each other, mm-hmm. and it, it's just them talking on a couch for seven minutes. That's it. Mm-hmm. And when the scene was over, I looked at my mom and I was like, Jesus Christ, that's acting. That is that yeah. is acting. Like, yeah, it was and it was such an astounding film. I think I put it in my top ten of the year. And I feel that, you know, that was him trying to go back into his roots a little bit. Mm-hmm. And no one saw it. And everyone ignored it. So I kind of feel like the fact that this is getting some love makes me feel better for that. And I hope somebody goes back and says, Oh yeah, I'm gonna go watch um uh all is true, mm-hmm. but you know, but here's the great thing about now i i've I've seen almost all of his films as a director mm-hmm. um, th- the great thing about him as a director, and this is why Belfast is such a success is because he's never been cornered into um a style of film agreed um I mean I, I'm just looking at his filmography right now, I'm thinking about stuff here, so now naturally because it's Marvel, his most popular film. On Letterboxd's Thor, but right. so that's fine. That's a big budget, yes. studio Last picture. You, right? think. you bet. Now, then he does the kind of not. I'm not going to say like art house, but more like older crowd, like like studio picture, like Murder on the Orient Express, or he'll do yeah. a Cinderella that's or something that, like that.
0: That's that he'll, half studio, half prestige because you have this big cast, yeah. but you're telling a you know a non blockbuster story, totally
1: but he's done like dead again which is like this bizarre yeah, like noir thing. He got Peter's friends was like a straight up comedy. He mm-hmm. had a great movie called in the bleak midwinter which was all about actors like performing a play in a castle. He did a musical. He did mm-hmm. a remake of Sleuth which was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Like he did a uh, he did an opera, The yeah. Magic Flute.
0: Yeah. Um like I, he love just- his, I love his Cinderella take for Disney. It's yeah. so beautiful. It's it's it might be my number one of their reimaginings.
1: Yeah. And and he was given less so with Thor, but mm-hmm. uh you know because he wasn't in the movie, but or it was for like a cameo or something, but um you know when he was given a big budget to remake Frankenstein, you know that was kind of like his mm-hmm. that was kind of like his big debacle you know where it's like hey what happens when we give this guy all the money i actually like frankenstein
0: a lot i think it's frankenstein's good but you're right like frankenstein was 94 he was kind of already doing hamlet and then he had that big four-year gap where he had to eke his way back up to thor for a decade yeah
1: yeah and and the great thing about him and the other thing that makes me root for him is that he and this is this is another this is an eastwood thing too which i'm Mm -hmm. impressed with is that he's he's making a movie that's not with him in it yeah. Um, I agree. And he's, and he might be giving his best work. That's not to say he's some kind of arrogant actor or anything. Mm-hmm. I think he's an astounding actor. Like uh, uh, I, he was the best part of, um, um, uh, what was that Maryland movie that he was nominated
0: for? My week uh, with Maryland. Yeah.
1: My week with Maryland. I think he was the best part of that, you know? Uh, and, and just imagine he got to play Lawrence Olivier who was, like, I know. One of his idols. you know, it's amazing. That's but, cool. But yeah, I, I think that like, the feel-good factor of the movie Belfast extends to, like, the cast and crew. Like, you want them to be rewarded for this.
0: I agree. I agree. I think the the good graces... Because, like, Kenneth Branagh even with his misses here and there is beloved for what, what he does, who, who he, who he endears to him in, Mm -hmm. not just in Britain, but like, he's become a filmmaker that enough people have worked with and an actor. Most people have worked with where you just never hear a bad thing about Kenneth Branagh, And, and and that's a good thing. And, and from a (laughs) politicking standpoint, you know he he's gonna smile in front of those cameras. He's gonna he not to say he's going to campaign, but he will thank everybody he needs to thank and and be out there on the on the front lines. And like I said, that that screening I could have had in LA was one of them, and that that's gonna play well. And well, the, the tricky say- thing will be the, the tricky thing will be the field. It just depends on what other things are gonna be there that either make a compelling cinephile case or make an equally compelling. Hey, it's their time and they deserve it case well, and I don't know I, what that's going to be right now so
1: now I don't know who his current manager is now so mm-hmm. if I'm speaking ill of anyone I apologize but I, I 15 I can years look ago up his
0: manager if you need me well,
1: not bother <laughs> 15 years ago I was trying to write a book about Kenneth Branagh
0: look at you writing. go
1: and <laughs> I got a hold of his manager uh-huh And I gave the full breakdown, the presentation, what I wanted to do, what my accomplishment, like what I wanted to accomplish with this book and everything. Mm -hmm. And his assistant was like, We're not interested. I'm not interested in your little book. Ken's not interested in your little book, <laughs> please go away. And I was like, oh my God. So like I've always had that. So yeah. I've never I've never held that against him. Uh it's not yeah. him. You know, it's probably just someone making sure they're not wasting his time.
0: But but he, uh, heard, but he heard your idea, like, right? You know? I maybe. We'll see. Like, but like, uh when when they say to you, but Kenneth's not interested we we he heard it and he's it, you know, like I actually made it too. You know, that's the yeah, I, mean,
1: I, I got I got into his ear hole. Uh, uh-huh.
0: I had that experience on a thing too, where uh I was doing the movie, I reviewed the movie Spotlight for an outlet and uh great movie. And I misspelled, yeah, Yeah. I misspelled Sasha Pfeiffer's name, who the person who Rachel McAdams played. And Mm -hmm. Sasha Pfeiffer emailed me to be like, Hey, nice review and all that stuff like that. You misspelled my name. Could you fix it a little bit? And she's like, Hey, I love your taking the movie. I'm like, She
1: read it, you know, like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on, people are gonna make whatever. Uh Yeah, but uh, and and because I can't help it, I'm the Marvel shill. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you knew this. I know that hardcore fans know this. But at the opening of Avengers Infinity War, uh, when we open up into space and you're seeing, well, first it's the Marvel logo and Marvel Studios logo, and then Mm -hmm. you're seeing all the debris in space, and we, we go with Thanos on the ship with Thor. Yeah, yeah. The Asgardian distress call, that is being sent out that you okay. hear. We are the Asgardian ship, blah, blah, blah. We're being attacked. We need help. That's Kenneth Branagh.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. So, so you he know, technically acted in a Marvel film. So there you go.
0: Not bad. No, I, I, <laughs> closing thoughts. I'm with you. This is a movie I have loved rooting for and will keep rooting for all the way until Oscar night. I hope, I hope it gets a zillion nominations. I hope it wins plenty of awards. It, because it, Movies, it's. The, I mean, I know it's an art thing first and in a and business thing second, but mm. you know, there. There is room in the Oscars and Oscars has his peaks and valleys of going for the feel-good thing and then another year they come back to the serious thing. Like, you know, for for every moonlight that wins, there's a green book that wins. I hate to use green book, but like
1: No, it, I it, don't mind you using it at all.
0: No, no, no. no but, but but uh it's <laughs> it's okay to give it to the feel-good movie. Like some years you just need a feel-good movie, and maybe coming out of No Man's Land and the and the and the 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 placeholder year that felt like last year that it's okay that we're coming out of COVID Trump stuff is gone whatever you want to do with this in terms of where Hollywood's mindset is on things. Sure. Yeah let 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 the let the let the cute one win. You don't have to have some dead serious thing win.
1: Oh I mean I can't I can't agree with you more. Um it's time to feel joy again. I Mm -hmm. mean I'm just looking at the last I, I i don't think the last feel good movie that won technically uh,
0: technically game book
1: maybe the well yeah but whatever but maybe the artist where it was just there's no agenda there's no politics no, it's just right. pure joy that, i mean yeah.
0: that's been a long after, time
1: everything after that is heavy as hell man mm-hmm. I, know. <laughs> I mean he, so i mean you do have the you know the fish fucking the lady movie but you know but other than that it's it's pretty it's and even at, even before the artist you've got some heavy heavy stuff so you know I, I don't know it's it's about time we got a little happiness
0: i agree i agree man i hope man crossing fingers here
1: all right uh i always forget i have to pull up the thing so Mitch <laughs> give me a second all right all right everybody so there's finally by the way there's finally a movie that i like people okay because i'm starting to get this reputation as not liking anything which is weird because i like a lot of stuff but this this year in particular i've been pretty harsh on films um and maybe it's because i'm tired of being depressed all the time i don't know.
0: know you know i i i I know, I'm, this, our, this, you know this episode might drop in January, but I haven't been impressed this year. The fives are few and far between. The feel-good movies are few and far between. This yep. has been a, I'll take last year to this year. And uh, I know 2020 was a placeholder of a year, but I'll take last year to this year. Absolutely, Even in award absolutely. season here.
1: All right. So on that side note, sorry about that. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Cinephile Fit and on Facebook at Cinephile Hissy Fit Podcast. Also find us both on Letterboxd. Thank you so much for your captive audience and social media participation. Cinephile Hissy Fit is a 25YL media podcast brought to you by ruminationsradionetwork.com. Please visit, rate, review, and subscribe. We are also on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I don't think this one has any suspense to it. This will be a solid, uh, fresh rating Mm -hmm. from us. If you enjoyed this show, we have more where that came from. With more interesting hosts, look at us, and wonderful guests. All available on iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere you find your favorite show.